and, and I'm just going to put a big misnomer out there to rest. Not everything newsworthy that goes into the woods comes out bad. It was such a relief yesterday on social media to find out that that young lady who was in the woods out in Maple Ridge came out fine uh, 50 some odd hours and she makes her way out, just walked out the front. She was a little tired, but uh, it was great news. So yeah, not everything ends up bad in the woods, but I want to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. So let's join Mike Danks. He's a North Shore rescue team leader, kind enough to join me this afternoon. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, Mike, it is great news. What does that do for a rescue team when the news ends up being good? You know, I think these are huge wins for search and rescue volunteers because, like you said, not every situation like that uh, ends with a with a happy ending, and um, we really strive to to deliver people back to their loved ones. That's really what it's all about for us. When the forests this time of year, you start to see more and more people going in there, but you've got to have some sense of what happens if you do veer off the pass. We talk about making sure you got some water, a couple of snacks, that you understand where to go and where not to go. That education is available to everybody, but where can they best find it? Yeah, I mean, if, I think if you look on your local search and rescue team's website, there's a ton of information there. Also on Adventure Smart, um, there's a lot of info there as well. And we really encourage people, if you're new to the backcountry, uh, to join a hiking group and go with some experienced hikers so you can gain some really valuable knowledge that they've um, developed over a number of years because that can uh, make a huge difference for you and your safety. I know that every situation is different, but I'm going to almost, you know, close my eyes and use a little theater of the imagination. Let's say you veer off your group this time of year and you find yourself in the woods all by yourself. What would you do as the sunset? What would Mike Danks do to get through the night? (laughs) Yeah, well, I think if you veered off from your group, uh, number one, I would try to, if you can backtrack um, and you're comfortable doing that, That's a great way to get back on the trail. Um, If you've got to a point where you just don't know where you are, you're in terrain that you're not comfortable with, that's where you need to make that phone call for help. And that's where having a fully charged cell phone is going to make a huge difference. Um, And then making sure that you have the appropriate equipment with you to keep yourself warm and to wait for rescue. But it seems like a very common practice for people is to try to self-rescue. And in doing so, they're naive the dangers of traveling downhill and when you're traveling downhill off trail you get into technical terrain very quickly and that leads you into gullies and cliff bands and that's where things can get really real very quickly so staying put making the call for help is the best thing you can do and when you're with a group stay together with that group always be checking in on people and don't leave someone behind I used to live in the North Shore, and Lynn Canyon was a place that you'd always hear once or twice, maybe even thrice, about people that got into trouble on the, the rapids or, you know, cliff diving, for lack of a better phrase. Let's just talk water in general. What are some of the rules this time of year with, the, you know, fluctuating shorelines and, and rapids? Is it best just to stay away, or is there a way to play safe? You know, I think, um, you know, the general safety is to stay away, but we know that's not a reality because people are going to venture into those uh, waterways. But it's really about just being educated on what is the safe level that you can enter the river on. And if the conditions are such that it's safe to go in um, and you have someone that's there that can help you if something goes sideways, 
well, then you can do that safely. But if we have extreme water flows or extreme conditions, that's when you really need to make sure you're staying back. And another big piece for that is making sure that your animals also stay back. So if, if we do have extreme water, keep them on a leash because more often than not, if a, if a dog goes in the water, the owner is going to feel obligated to, to do everything they can to rescue that dog. And sometimes those end up in a, in a fatality as well, which is, you know, no one wants to see that. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how much I respect you guys over at North Shore Rescue. And I just wanted our listeners to understand you're more than just trying to find somebody who's veered off the track. Can you flesh out some of the other things that maybe our listeners don't know that you guys are part of? Because you guys cover so much real estate in addition to just, you know, hectares. You guys are you guys are doing so many different things. Yeah, you know what? And today's a great example. I mean, we have a crew out today that has gone through all the data and analytics from our past calls and they've they've marked out what the high frequency areas that we've had people getting lost on and they've actually gone in they've communicated with the landowner and they're working to improve the signage in those areas so what search and rescue is today is we're really focusing on prevention and that's getting out into the community getting out into the schools working with hiking groups and just talking them through the situations that we see and recommending um, what measures they can put in place to ensure that they have um, a safe venture in the backcountry. It's a great conversation. And and again, I just want to tip my cap. I know you guys are super busy this time of year, but thank you for all that you do. And please pass that thanks on to everybody within your team, Mike. Yeah, thank you so much. And please support your local search and rescue team. Thank you. Mike Danks, North Shore Rescue Team Leader, taking us to a break here. The clock is ticking right now when it comes for uh, the Port of Vancouver folks, that labor dispute that is right now on the clock. And there's a number of things that get affected when a port closes, even if it's just temporarily. Everything from the economic impact, job loss, the logistics are just all over the place, and even environmental concerns. But let's get into it from an automotive perspective. Uh, Brian Kingston, president and CEO of the Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association, kind enough to join me this afternoon. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. And you know what? I love working in news because it gives me a sobering reminder that even though I go home and I get to close the door and take a deep breath, there's a lot of people this weekend that are going to be burning the midnight oil, trying to find solutions and maybe not enjoying this weekend as much as me. Let's talk about this port situation and some of the challenges that could be on your doorstep in a couple of hours. Absolutely. Yeah, we're deeply concerned about what's going on with respect to the port. And it has significant implications for the automotive industry, which is still recovering from production shutdowns and other challenges related to the pandemic. We've yet to return to pre-COVID North American automotive production levels. And something like a work stoppage at this port would have a significant negative impact. I want to talk about reputation. I think this is something that sometimes doesn't make it to the forefront of conversation. But, you know, we have a pretty good reputation abroad for what we're able to deliver. But all of a sudden you think of COVID and all the struggles that we came through with that. And now a work stoppage. I mean, this is something that really we can't have happening right now. No, we can't. And and the, the Canadian government has been very aggressive in trying to win new investment into the auto industry in particular. And we've had some great success. We've seen over $20 billion in job creating investment coming into Canada as the industry transforms to electrification. So this is good, exciting news. 
But on the other hand, we've had all of these issues with the supply chain. First, of course, the global pandemic, which is obviously out of the control of of any one person. But then we had the Ambassador Bridge blockade. We had a labor stoppage at the Port of Montreal. When you start to add all of this up, I worry that Canada is getting a reputation as a place that's hard to build and move things from. And so we're really hopeful that we will get to a resolution before tomorrow morning. In the event that you don't, and I'm going to be the guy with the glass half empty here just for this question, how much pressure needs to be put on the federal government to try and get this done? They need to do everything possible over the next few hours to to make sure the parties are at the table, that they're engaging, making sure that the pressure is there to get to an agreement, because this port is simply too important. It's not just important for for automotive. It is a massively important port for the Canadian economy writ large. And, you know, it's really important to know, too, that Canada is a trading nation. That is what ultimately generates our wealth. We're a huge exporting nation. And that depends on trade infrastructure like the port of Vancouver. So uh, the, the stakes couldn't be higher right now. Let's try to put some uh, a face to this or a little perspective. I mean, we're talking about the port right now, but you represent the Canadian vehicle manufacturers. There's a lot of people here that have jobs, a lot of people that are relying on this port to be open so that they can keep business moving. How does this specifically affect your members? Well, the automotive industry is world-class when it comes to operating an ultra-efficient supply chain. Vehicles are assembled with parts delivered just in time. And in Canada, our industry employs hundreds of thousands of Canadians in direct automotive assembly. But when you have a disruption to trade infrastructure, like what could occur at the Port of Vancouver, suddenly those shipments aren't arriving on time, which means production slowdowns. That has an immediate impact on the ability to build vehicles and ultimately the people that are employed by this industry. And it's not as though you can just ship somewhere else. We've had other issues on West Coast ports in the United States. There's huge challenges with broad transportation infrastructure across North America. So any issue like this has an immediate impact on ultimately people who work in this industry. Brian, are you on the radio because you're just trying to push this across the finish line? Or are you genuinely concerned at this point? We are deeply concerned. Um, I know, you know, every negotiation goes through these these phases where there's intense pressure, but the clock is ticking. We're getting very close to uh, the, the potential for a strike, and, and we just can't have this happen at this critical time for the Canadian economy. I appreciate you stopping by and having this conversation. We're going to pick it up on the other side and get the listeners' perspectives on it all. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of parties here. It's not just the port. There's a lot of people, including the Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association, that are looking in on this. So, uh, Brian, thank you for your contribution today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Hey, kids. Let's talk. Shall we talk kids? Let's talk kids. What are we doing with them this summer? I know there's a lot of parents right now that are trying to figure out, okay, I can do this for a couple of weeks, but then be real nice if somebody might be able to take them off my hands or at least keep them busy so that they're having a great summer as well. Because I still got to work. I still got to do stuff. But who could take care of my kids? Well, Mike Chan and Pedalheads, one of the most popular summertime attractions when it comes to being able to get out and do activities. Kind enough to join me. Mike, you're a busy guy right now. Oh, really busy. We're really, really busy. Well, yeah, we definitely love to take kids off uh, parents' hands if they can. <laughs> well, let's talk about this because you guys do biking, trail riding, swimming. Walk me through why a parent would be thrilled to drop their kid off and uh, let you guys take charge for a little while. I mean, for us, it's all about building like confidence in these kids. Like We're trying to get those moments of happy dancing, high-fiving, I did it moments, give you an example, 
Uh, if we can get a kid off the training wheels, riding on their own, getting, um, you know, that's just that I did it moment that like, oh my God, I can actually do this. Uh, that's really what we're trying to try to get and have these memories for these kids. And I mean, it's uh, a lot of different programs, a lot of different places that we run. And um, I think we've been around for so long that parents have learned to love these programs and um, know that we can uh, provide something really awesome, an awesome experience for them for the summer. It was hard to believe that you guys have been at this for more than 35 years now. I, yeah. I love your story, how it started with um, Claudia, who in one pool taught a handful of kids. And now all of a sudden you guys are, I mean, they were telling me just during the break that you guys already have a thousand kids registered just here in Vancouver. Oh, yeah, we have we have thousand, more than a thousand. We got thousands of kids registered for this coming summer. Um, not that we still have lots of space that we could uh, fill in with different weeks for parents, but a lot of kids um, upcoming and over thirty locations across BC for the bike program. Five different pools for swimming. Um, all great options for the summer for, for parents. To Mike, what has changed over the years? I mean, I don't know how long you've been associated with them. I know it's been at least a couple here, but in yeah. the era of cell phones and trying to keep kids' attention for more than five to six minutes or the length of a TikTok video, what have you noticed <laughs> a, a, of the adjustments that maybe you as a staff have had to make to make sure that you can keep these kids focused on on just being kids? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, we just want to keep them active, keep them moving. Um you know, I think there's a lot of fun that can be had uh, during the summer that doesn't have to be in front of a screen, right? It can be uh, just getting out there, learning learning a new skill. Like, skill development is huge with what we're trying to do with the kids. Like, they, we want them to build up. And if it's like they're getting off training walls, for example, in the bike program, to learning how to be riding safely on the road. Like, those are, like, really important skills, and they can take that. Um, get away, enjoy that, want to do that with their family, want to get out there and ride. I think it's just, um, it's just really just continually pushing the whole um, feeling around being active and wanting to to get out there and, and do something really fun in some way. I was having a conversation with my wife earlier this week, and it, it just yeah. I feel like this would be a point that maybe you could speak to. We were talking about the resiliency of our kids during the pandemic and how it might have been harder yeah. for parents than it was for kids to kind of snap out of it and get back to business as usual. Did you find that, you know, whether it was last year or this year, that the kids just picked up where they left off and it was just business as usual? I mean- Kids are super resilient. Like yeah. I, I would say even more so than, than adults in a lot of ways. And they just, um, they just want to have like a fun time. They're a lot of them are just so goofy and um, they just have great just personalities. And I think it's just, it's a testament for them to just want to get back out there, get doing stuff. I know it's been hard for a lot of people, but um, kids generally, they're just, they just want to have a really good time and learn something fun, make some new friends. Um, that's what we've seen a lot over the last few years is just, uh, getting back out there and getting to to have those really fun things that we had before this, before the pandemic even hit. Do you have any space left? Got space. There's still space. We uh, we run as week long camps, um, so they can be Monday to Friday. Um, we're really kicking off next week is the big one, and we have we go all the way till the end of the summer. So still spaces in those August weeks as well, and even in even some weeks in July too. Fantastic. Well, Mike, thank you for joining me. I'm going to direct people to pedalheads.com backslash British Columbia, and hopefully you'll get a few more people after listening to this because it sounds like a lot of fun, Mike. It's super fun. And if anyone is around the North Shore today, we actually have a special event that we're running over at our Park Royal Pool. Um, We're just, it's our birthday party. It's our uh, anniversary of of that pool opening. And um, we're just running something from four to seven today. If anyone wanted to stop by. I'm off at three. Awesome, Mike. <laughs> Come and see me. Come All right. See me. Thank you for the time, Mike. I hope you have a wonderful right. summer. You too. Getting ready for a very 
hot entry into the month of July. It looks like we're going to get into the 30s by this time next week. So if you haven't already got your bottled water and your game plan for how you're going to deal with the health uh, and the heat, now would be the time to do it. I can tell you there are people out there right now that are there to help in a very big way. Ambulance paramedics are going to be really busy this summer. There's no doubt about it. Troy Clifford is the Ambulance Paramedic Union President and also an active paramedic. Troy, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on, Rob. Well, it's my pleasure, and it's the perfect time to kind of get into the psyche of everybody around town that this is uh, preventable if you can get ahead of this and maybe just keep some things in mind when things do get hot and when things get tough this summer. What are some of the things that are top of your mind? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, as you know, I, uh, I'm very in touch with our paramedics and dispatchers and our first responders. And, um, you know, as we, as school year ends and people start thinking about vacations and enjoying as you, as your lead up talked about the great weather in this province, uh, I'm in the Okanagan right now and it's, uh, it's beautiful. Uh, so we're all indications are we're going to have a really hot and busy um, Canada Day weekend, uh, which is traditionally one of our busiest weekends of the year uh, for paramedics, unfortunately, and dispatchers because of, you know, all the things we're talking about is people are out enjoying the lakes and the highways and or maybe not so much the highways, but to getting to their places where they, uh, the recreational areas, whether it be at the lake or hiking or uh, camping or whatever people's excitement that they're doing uh, as, as, as we open up summer. Um, so with that comes a uh, additional risks so obviously more people on the highway we just need to be more safe and have plans like you mentioned you know i have so much respect for what you guys do troy and one of the things that i always try to tell people when i have this conversation is make sure if you're calling 911 that you understand where you are in the priority of things because you guys are getting so swamped with calls that yeah. you have to make sure that you understand that the paramedics can only get to so many people within a certain allotted time. So just make sure you know what you're calling them with. Would that be a fair assessment to say, or am I being a little too critical? Yeah, and we've done a lot of work with BCHS, uh, our, the employer that runs the ambulance service. And, and one of the big things that they're really pushing it, that awareness of when to call 911 and when not to, or when to look at alternate resources such as 811, or just knowing what you, and you're, you're bang on. Uh, it's key to uh, knowing where you are, first of all, because if you're on a cell phone, not sure where you are, if you do need an emergency or an ambulance, but we would never want to deter anybody from calling an ambulance, if at all in doubt. But we do be in prepared and not only just if you do get into an emergency situation with when to call for help, um, but if in doubt, call for help. But the other important thing is to really be prepared like you talked about. Have your water in your hat, sunscreen, basic uh, stuff that sometimes when we get in excited uh, times uh, we forget about. And we, uh, you know, when it gets hot, we forget that. Being around water, you know, obviously the safety that, uh, you know, unfortunately every year we see drownings and when more people on the water and, and, those, and the risks around uh, the trauma, around uh, recreational activities. So we just want to make sure that people are safe. Um, and practicing the best practices with uh, safety measures, but also, you know, as as we talk about, there, you know, addiction and mental health is a is a tough time, and when people are isolated, they tend to, you know, those things come out. So we want to make sure that if people are going to partake in drugs and alcohol, they do it safely, don't use alone, all those sort of standard things. But it's a good reminder for us all as uh, celebrations go on that uh, we need to be safe. I've got a friend who's a paramedic and, you know, one of the challenges in conversations over beers one night we had is just that 
he has tough uh, he has tough calls sometimes when it comes to festivals in the summer. Like for example, you know the summer often brings you know events, festivals, gatherings where there's a whole bunch of people, and paramedics you know find themselves managing emergencies with crowded environments. And patient safety is one thing, but he also wants to feel safe as weather. And then you've got the um, the response time. So I guess if you're going into these big groups and you see that there's something going on, you gotta part ways and let these medical uh, aides get there quickly. Yeah, actually managing scenes is, is one of the tougher things. You know, it, it's tough enough managing a patient. Um, but, you know, there's high emotion, sometimes high um, anxiety. People are scared, obviously. And, um, you know, if a loved one's injured or a friend or they witness a, a traumatic event, that's really can be really impacting. And we often think of just the impacts on the responders. But bystanders and people that witness things or are involved in a, you know, a cardiac arrest, that can be very traumatic. And managing a scene, or not just in a crowd, but uh, managing a scene and people that are impacted is, is a big part of what we do. And he's, he's very right. That's a, a very real experience. And when we're going in a crowd, it's also our own safety and stuff. And you always got to be on your um, guard for potential volatile or higher risk situations. But you're right. It, it's nice when people clear out of the way, you know, pull over to the curb. When you're seeing an ambulance or an emergency vehicle, just making sure that we're just aware. Uh, you know, on the highways, we see, uh, you know, people that are impatient or, or whatnot. And that's when we start getting into distractions that cause accidents. And, you know, it's easy. It's hard. to. There's more motorcycles on the road. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, they're smaller and they're, they do end up. So we just want make sure you're watching and really paying attention. Troy, how are you guys doing? I mean, we focus so much on nurses and we focus on doctors, but paramedics are right there alongside them. And you guys are the ones that have to suit up and go out into the community a lot of these times. And, you know, I'm not going to just bring up the downtown east side. I think that's pretty self-explanatory as to the challenges. But how are you guys doing as an organization, as a union, just getting through not just the pandemic, but everything that is asked of you guys? Yeah, you know, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, it's tough some days. You know, we know we have a tough job. Uh, the call volumes are going up, uh, but over the last uh, six months with the negotiation into um, a new collective agreement that really put us on a path, I believe, and, and our members are, are, are believe that it, our future looks really bright in the sense that we were able to stabilize a lot of things, our service delivery stuff, and we've been working closely with the BCAHS for quite some time now, and, uh, and we were able to establish a really strong collective agreement that's uh, allowed us to recruit and retain, get more paramedics into these vacant positions, but also establish some models and service delivery and care that uh, is giving hope for paramedics that we haven't seen, hadn't seen for a long time. So the work we're doing with BCHS uh, on a lot of these areas and including the public um, service announcements and education is really positive. Um, and uh, I think that's really one of the things we're doing well. We're still seeing too many psychological injuries and the impacts of the work we do and the operational stressors, there's no question. But, uh, and we got, we got to do better in that area, obviously. But uh, um, I, I, for the, I honestly can say for the first time in a long time, there's really hope and prosperity for uh, the path we're on. And I, and I think that it goes to the commitment this government's made in investing in the ambulance service and the collaboration we're working with BCEHS on. That's good news. I appreciate the reminders and, uh, and for the heads up on this. Troy, let's talk again. Thank you, Rob. And you have a safe weekend and to all your listeners as well. Just be safe out there and remember, uh, enjoy the weather, but be safe. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. 